0: That was a great prayer, wasn't it? And I feel encouraged and blessed. There will be no PowerPoint this morning because um, there will be none. (laughs) Um, It's a long story and I won't even tell you. Um, I will tell you one thing, though. Um, Anita and I are just totally blessed and when we hear those words that you say, um, Joe said them, Dane said them, uh, our family, your family, we feel like uh, this body of people have wrapped us in their arms, have held us close, have provided for us, have encouraged us, have shown us um, the fruit of the Spirit in so many ways, and uh, we are very encouraged by that, so I just wanted you to know that sometimes um, we don't say thank, thank you enough, but thank you, uh, Christ Community Church, for your love and kindness to us. And uh, we just look back and say, wow, wasn't it wonderful that God gave us an opportunity when we least expected it? And that uh, even better that we followed through. <laughs> because the blessing was waiting. It's just like Abraham. God said, go to a place that I will show you, and then you will receive the blessing. And we came here, and we have received the blessing. So thank you for that. So let me just add my prayer to uh, Joe's, and then we'll start. Father, I just thank you this morning. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. And help me to speak the word of truth. Speak the word that has impact, Lord. We ask you to be here with us this morning because these are such important times. We thank you for this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, there's another pulpit. Did you guys know there was another pulpit in the foyer back there? I didn't know if it was a pulpit or an apartment, but maybe I need to bring it up here and look at it a little bit. I don't know. I didn't mean to say that, Joe. I asked God to refrain from... The thought this morning is hope, the hope that we have in Christ, the hope that we have been receiving from Him. we now abide these three, faith, hope, and love. And hope is in the middle. And I've talked about that, how important hope can be and how important it is to renew our hope and... and strengthen our hope and this morning I just want to talk about hope as as something that uh, with the title of this sermon being um, no one ever stands alone aloneness in God's economy is not a biblical principle there's only one time he mentions being alone in the Bible it's when he's alone well actually there's two times when he's alone with the father in prayer, and he taught us to go into our closet alone and pray. But every other thing involves people. Every other thing involves you and me and our relationships. And uh, people that study things like relationships and all those kind of things, they come to the understanding that you can really judge a crowd or an individual by the way they relate to others. And you know that because you walk into a church when you're visiting someplace else, and you'll come back and you'll tell the pastor or you'll tell one of the elders or your best friend, that church really received us. They were excited to see us there. Or, and we won't talk about what you don't want to hear, but that's the way it is. Hope, relationships. We receive hope when we walk into a place, and that place receives us shares love of Christ with us. So uh, five of the things that uh, this is my PowerPoint. Five of the things that uh, the experts tell us we need for good relationships are we need models and mentors. And I'm not going to dwell with this because this is their view. I'm going to give their view and then I'm going to give the biblical view. We need models and mentors because we're not going to get any better if we don't see somebody doing it better. Uh, that's why children need to have dads that are walking faithfully with Christ, humbly and faithfully, and honoring their children, and honoring mom, and honoring God in everything they do. So we need mentors, we need models, we need people who will cast a vision in our lives, and that means that uh, you're not going to say, this is what you should do, it's going to say, this is what you can do. I know you can do that. One of the men here wants me to go play golf with him. He's a vision caster because I'm a terrible golfer. But he asked me to go play. and I don't know if he's a terrible golfer or not, but I don't think so. But he had a vision for what I could do. And I I think he's crazy, but that's beside the point. (laughs) We need people that can heal our heart. Because when people heal our hearts, when people come alongside and put their arm around us and say, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so thankful for what you did the other day. I'm so thankful that you gave this person a ride. That heals our heart a little bit. That gives us hope. Somebody noticed, and God's message came to you through that somebody. I'm proud of you. Thank you for doing that. We need to have people like that that heal our hearts in those moments. We need to have someone who would be a a, a friend, a vision caster, a, a sword to sharpen us. A sword which I would call a soul sharpener. We need to have somebody that comes along and says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another or another person sharpens another. We all need that. That builds hope because what it says, if you come and say something to me constructive, even if it's a little bit awkward or whatever, it's a little bit something, it, it tells me that you, at least you care enough about me to say something. We all need that. Finally, we need someone who will, uh, they, the experts call this a tail kicker. Someone who will kick you in the posterior and get you moving. We all need that person. Uh, Dane was doing it this morning. He said, we need to be here for Harvest Fest. Now, he didn't really kick any tail, but he did say, we did need to be here. And, And I speak for the elders when I say, We kind of got started late on Harvest Fest because there's a lot going on here and a lot of changes and a lot of different things, and that's no excuse. So you can make us look good if everybody will come out on Harvest Fest, bring your favorite dish, bring your favorite chocolate pie, and let's have a party. Right? Can I hear an amen? Amen. I like the way Kathy says that, and all the people said? That's right. That's crazy, but I love it. So Harvest Fest is a thing that we should do. You should be hopeful because next, tomorrow night, we're going to have our first search team meeting. And that doesn't mean by Christmas we're going to have a new pastor. That's God's job. Our job is to search to identify what we want in a pastor, to identify what we're looking for so that we can select the right person. Our job is to put aside the, the hurts and the bad feelings that we've had over the last years in pastor selection. Are pastors coming? We've lost pastors. Every time we lose a pastor, that hurts us a little bit. So we're intending as a team to build hope in the church. We're going to work hard to find the man and his family that Christ wants to be at Christ Community Church. That's what he does. He equips people and he brings them. And our responsibility is to honor them and to take care of them just like you're doing for Anita Me. You are an amazing group of people. And if we just if we could just have them come and spend a couple weeks with you, everyone would want to be here and be your pastor. Everyone. Now, where was I? If you want to open your Bible, I'm going to show you what Jesus says about hope and relationships. So if you want to open your Bible, no PowerPoint. I've already confessed that. So open your Bible to Luke chapter 10. This is a passage that we normally think talks about evangelism. But it's talking about relationships as well. So Luke chapter 10 verse 1 give you a chance to get there. I'm going to start reading it. In fact, if you get there, just hold that and flip over to John 15. You want to talk about relationships? John 15 chapter or verse 12. The Lord says, the Lord says, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I want to be a friend of Jesus, don't you? I want to know what he says. I want to know what he wants me to do. I want to make sure that I don't miss a stride in running the race, and being his friend. No longer do I call you slaves, Jesus says, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. This is the part I love. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain forever, by the way. Your fruit remains forever. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command to you, that you love one another. That's friendship. You love one another. You don't see somebody walking down the aisle and switch to the other aisle so you don't have to walk by them. You take their phone calls. You have a kind word. You model grace and mercy and forgiveness. All those things that are so easy to do, right? No, they're not easy to do. But they're so important for us. Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, Now after this the Lord appointed 70 others. And it could have been 72 others. I think there's a lot of textual evidence for that, but 70 others. And he sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of the wolves. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. And the inclination is that you will know. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your city which clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. And I just want to say, there's a couple of points here in this passage that talks about relationships. The first relationship is we have a reminder that, uh, in this passage, that it's not good for man to be alone. It says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 or 19, it is not good for man to be alone. That means it is not good for man to be alone. If you tried to read that in the Hebrew, it says it is not good for man to be alone. Because it is not good for man to be alone. There is no such thing as a mountaintop church with one person. We can have moments like that, but that's not the way God intended it. The way God intended it was in Hebrews 10:24 and 25, he says, And let us not forsake the coming together, as is the habit of some. Assembling together, he calls it. And even more, as you see the day draw near, you encourage one another when we're together. You encourage, I had a guy in the... I'll tell you that later. He says, and to make the first point, he says, and the Lord appointed 70 others. The Lord appointed you. You know that from 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 7, that the Lord appointed you, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2. The Lord appointed you, Romans 9 or 10, all things to work together for good to those who love God who are called... Appointed according to his purpose. Relational purpose. Love God. Love one another. And then he sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to go. He appointed. He sent. They went to every place that he was going to go. They were paving the way for the gospel to come. That's what God does. You're, I continue to tell you, I will respond to you every time. You are not here because you want to be here. You are here, well, maybe so. I mean, I really, i want get, to get in out of the code. You're here because God appointed you to be here. God called you to be here. God says your gifts and talents are important in this church. Your gifts and talents are important in this church. That's why God gives us kids. I know you think God's got a sense of humor, but he gives us kids so he can watch us as we mature in church, and they can learn to mature in church, and they're going to want to come to church to be like dad or be like mom or be like Mr. Bates. Wow, Mr. Bates is really good. i always liked him. Be like Mr. Whitlock. Be like those other guys. I looked around this morning, and you know what? The men in this church sing the songs. And I think that is exciting because in a lot of churches, the men move their lips. They don't sing the songs. You guys are good heroes and good models, and that's what Jesus had in mind. He appointed them, and then he sent them, and he used them to build hope in these villages. He supports and he sends. And it says uh, in verse 2, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few." Beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out labor. It is a huge job that we have. Part of our job is not just preaching the gospel, but all of our job is preaching the gospel with our lives, with our reactions to people, the way they do things. We have been blessed. If you know Jesus as your Savior, we have been blessed to know him and to have the knowledge that we can even preach. If I get out on the golf course and I play terrible, and I'm, I'm tired of using myself, but I'll do it one more time. And I play terrible, my attitude, my actions say what kind of Christian I am. Right? If I start breaking clubs and throwing things, kicking my playing partners. God knows it's a big job, and he didn't pick you because you couldn't do it. He picked you because you could do it, because He knew you could do it. He will equip you to do it. God says that there are vicious obstacles. Look in, He says this in verse 3. Go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Vicious obstacles with teeth, with heads that butt, with attitudes that crush, with words that can hurt God says, don't be afraid. I've been there. I had all that happen to me and worse. I stood on the cross and they still were yelling at me. It's a beautiful thing when we learn to endure, when we learn to be a part of the family of God, when we model forgiveness, when we model understanding. Our nation is in a terrible place right now because our nation is divided on so many things. And I just choose to remind you of one thing this morning. What did Jesus say? If we are divided, the house cannot stand. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. And He says, love one another, love your strangers, love your neighbors. And I have strong opinions, and that's very difficult sometimes. But God says, if you my friend, you will do what I command you. Builds hope in me when I see that I'm doing that once in a while. I say once in a while because I'm not perfect. There's vicious obstacles. Then he says, uh, don't. Go unprepared. We read in verse 4, carry no money bill, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. He didn't say go naked. He said don't take a bunch of stuff in your suitcase that you're going to have to worry about. Wear your clothes. Wear your sandals. Go do it. And the only way we can do that with confidence is is our relationship with Him. I trust Christ to hold me no matter what. I, we're gonna go to Christ Community Church in Princeton, Illinois. Whoa! And we're gonna, we've never, we've seen them on TV, four of them. But God saved the best for last, all of you. And He said, just go there. And we, we're talking on the way up here. Uh, What are you going to do when we get? We don't know these people. We don't know what they're going to do. But now we do. Now we'd come again, if you ask us. Because when we came, we said, Peace be on this house. And peace was in this house. And we had to not go unprepared. We brought the things that we thought we'd need. But we knew we were on a mission. We knew we didn't need to worry about our things. We didn't stop to chat and focus with other people. We just came where God said go. God says that. I love that. It's confidence building. It's hope building. Surrender to the peace, he says in verse 5. Whatever house you enter first say, peace be to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Surrender to the peace. Surrender to the fact that God is paving the way, and the way we know that is if we feel that peace. We feel that welcome. We don't feel resentment or hard feelings or anger or... We don't get the feeling that people turn their back on us because they're sorry we're there. God sends peace before us, and he makes it obvious. And he said, do not keep moving from house to house. Establish yourself where I've given my peace and continue to build on that. They're going to feed you. They're going to give you something to drink. They're going to ask you tons of questions. Because you're fun to be around. Because they want to know you better. Stay there. Share Christ's peace. And it's the same what he says about the city. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you. And heal those in, in it who are sick. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Cities are that way too. Cities can be, um, you can feel cities you ever have that experience? You can drive into an area and feel that city, I believe. When we lived in Alaska, my wife and I had a pastor who used to say, we want to have this community so washed in the blood of Christ, so committed to the rules of Christ that a, a band like one of those crazy bands like whoever, if they came in on a train, they wouldn't dare get off the train because they would know this is not their place. If they flew in on an airplane, they wouldn't get off the airplane because they would know this is not their place. This is God's place. And we're going to live and model and bring hope to people that come here, not abandon them to have their own way or do what they want to do. Nothing is more comforting to me whether I'm at home whether I'm visiting with you, it's just a need me. Nothing is more comforting comforting than feeling the peace of God, knowing that He's there. He's in the middle of that conversation. He would approve of what we're doing. That's Christ. That's Christ. We have it's just amazing. I'm not gonna say anymore. Nothing is more comforting than having a friend. There's the most terrifying thing about not having a friend is being alone. You've all heard the, the stuff that's been done, the surveys that have been done about little babies that are not hugged or cuddled when they're young and they're in the nursery. Nobody picks them up and loves them and cuddles. They have a terrible time. They, they, they resist that. They resist being alone. They want to be held. They want to be cuddled. And friends will always be there for you. They will build your hope. Sometimes they will hurt your hope because they'll say something that you weren't weren't expecting. But they will build your hope. They will help make the work lighter. And they will defend you from vicious, teeth-bearing obstacles. And they may be God's response to your need. You may have a need that you're not even aware of. And one of those friends will come alongside and meet that need before you are aware of it. That's what friends do. A saying that I learned a long time ago about uh, friends and peace. Not that, but... A friend knows the song of your heart. And when you get down and lose the words... They will sing it back to you. That's a friend. They know the song of your heart. We've all been down that place before. And then somebody comes along. And shares something. And your hope just goes like this. And you know. God sent that friend. To give you that hope singing the song of your heart. Jesus said he is our friend when when we do what he has commanded. And he is our friend forever. We will never, ever, ever be alone. I just pray this morning for each of you. That you have a relationship set on Christ. That you have multiple relationships set on Christ. And that you have friends that know that's your heart. And you have friends that know when the going gets tough, they got your back. That's a true friend. That's a true friend. Father, I just thank you this morning... For this brief time we've had to talk about you. <laughs> Wait a minute, before I pray, don't leave. Before I, I've, one thing I want to remind you of. No, I don't want to remind you of that. That's no good. <laughs> don't leave, but just let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for each one here. May the truth be set in our hearts. May our relationships be in our eyes as we start to think about our relationships and we start to think about how you view those moments, how you view those relationships. Help us, Lord, to be faithful, to do justice and to walk humbly with you. Help us to be a friend because the best way to have a friend is to be a friend. Help us to know that person that knows the song of our heart and will sing it to us, or at least hum the words. Keep us in your grip, Lord. Keep us walking with you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.